just had it up and face up, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot of stuff on here. All right, no chance. Listen, I know you've only gotten one. I know one right so far this week, but no, I, I have a feeling your fortune's about to change with this one. And I I'm sure better. Hope so. I'm better prepared. I'm I'm better better prepared for this one. It's been a tough week for me. So yeah, yeah. I but I think this one is better researched, and there's a lot to cover on this one. Right. So we're let's kick right into it. I'm going to give you five clues. Um, and you have to guess what the plant is. So first off, the tree, it's a deciduous tree in the Rosaceae family, which includes plum, serviceberry, blackberry, raspberries, and roses. It can get 50 to 60 foot tall but can reach 100 foot in height, and it is a facultative upland species. So I'm giving you two. The leaves are long and shiny, resembling a sourwood. That's one of the ones I missed before. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's native from Maine to Florida, west to Arizona, and north to North Dakota. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Um, what can I give you here? I'm going to give you one that's going to throw it an almond-like odor released when a young twig is scratched and held close to the nose. And it's almond is in the same family. Almond is in the Rosaceae family. That's your five clues. All right. So for a deciduous tree, 50 to 60 feet tall, it's mm-hmm. a facultative up plant. Yep. Long, shiny leaves. Yep. Native from Maine to Florida and then west to, I forget where you said. West to Arizona and, and then, then north to North. The what I think is the, uh, there's only one plant I know of yeah. that has that almond scent when you scratch a young yeah. young branch, and that's our native black cherry. Oh my god! Well, you got I'm it. so glad you gave me that clue because <laughs> up to that point, I'm like, I don't really know. I, I saved it for last. I knew yeah. it was going to give it away, but I, 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 at least you know, had you given me that clue, I would not have gotten it. Oh, I don't believe that. No, it's true. I didn't know. Yeah. See, I don't know a lot. <laughs> You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Welcome back to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And today's uh, tree is a native plant is Prunus serotina, which is black cherry. It's also called wild black cherry, rum cherry, or mountain black cherry. So there's a lot to say about this plant. Actually, there's so much to say. I'm realizing I may have actually – I may have actually – uh, double dipped on some of the clues now that Uh-oh. I'm looking. <laughs> so I have so much to say. All right, well, you, you started to describe the leaves in our in our little quiz to start out, but finish describing the leaves. What so, what's more about them? So alternate leaves are about two to five inches long. Um, they're ovate, lanceolate in shape, um, and they have like a finely toothed margin. So a lot of cherries. Uh, have finely toothed margins or, or margins on them. So, but it's it's a little more ovate and lanceolate, and it's a little more glossy in color um, too, like a glossy medium green. Would, would you agree with that? Yes, I would yeah, agree. I'd say like a little bit of gloss, not as glossy as maybe Nyssa or black gum, but uh, like I'd say a similar in leaf color with a like a mild gloss to it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm seeing on your your sheet here. I'm seeing you have the word cyanide written a few times, and that kind of yeah. scares me. <laughs> yeah, it you know <laughs> it should be. So, um 
the twigs have a cyanide compound in it uh, where it's it I should say cyanide compounds produced and stored by the plant as a defense mechanism against herbivores uh, so that's its natural defense how would you like to be able to produce cyanide to uh, ward be, off that would be that pretty would be cool something else um, and the the foliage when wilted also contains cyanogenic glycosides um, which are converted mm. to hydrogen cyanide if eaten uh, yeah, that's a very – I wonder why that's the case of like when it wilts that it does that. I don't know, but if you were to feed a handful of wilted leaves, it could f- kill a fully grown goat. Really? Yeah. And how do you know that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I well let I'm, me show you for, my altar. Forget I asked. <laughs> forget I asked. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things I always think about is that this is a very fast-growing – tree uh so when you have fast growing trees you do get a susceptibility to storm damage so you do get a lot of broken branches and things like that so that's one thing if you're if you're planting one and it can get tall you don't want to put it on the corner of the found corner foundation Mm -hmm. planting in your house you know keep it far enough away that when you have down branches it's not going to land on a car it's not going to land on your house not going to land on your children you want to keep it far enough away that that you're you're safe. Yeah, and a really interesting thing about this tree to me is the bark because it changes over time. Can you tell yeah. us about the bark? Yeah, for you know, and it's funny as a young plant for the first decade, uh, the bark of the black cherry tree is thin, um, smooth, and banded, and it resembles a birch, but it does have those those bands that you would see typically in a cherry. They're just not as pronounced. Um, but as it gets older, the mature tree has a very broken, dark gray to black bark. So it's you know it's it's a little bit more like when you see it in nature, you can look at it if you're familiar with a cherry, look at it and say, I it, look, it resembles a cherry. Mm-hmm. But a, as it gets older, it it kind of throws you off a little bit uh, because yep. it is a native cherry. It's not what you consistently think of as like an Asian cherry. Mm-hmm. Now, is it Manishas or Dioecious? It, I see you have both written here, and I'm not really sure what that means. Because I, I never, never wrote it you down. That's the template, <laughs> <laughs> and and I never confirmed that answer. <laughs> you, you, you're putting with, in all the hard work here, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I well, just, yeah, I just completely overlooked that well, one. I will, I will ask you a question, and then I will look that up in the meantime. All right, yes, and say, tell me about the flowers. I love the flowers on this plant. Well, I think more people know need to know how beautiful the flowers are. On you know, plant. and it's not again if you're familiar with cherry trees. Say you're going to Washington D.C. to see the cherries bloom. It's not what you're accustomed to. Uh, the native cherries have a, a different bloom, so their flowers are small, white. Uh, they're five petaled and they're in racemes. So they're uh, the racemes are four to six inches long, uh, and they contain several do- uh, dozen flowers off the raceme. So uh, you'll see they they do flower flower april through june so you start seeing the racemes come out uh in in early april and that's to me that's it it blooms around the same time as like a a black locust um a juglans nigra so in in the wild i see those two getting ready to bloom but when you when you're familiar with black cherry and and again they're tall so the blooms are going to be up mm-hmm. uh they're going to be high but when you see it flower like you it's it's unmistakable and it's a very 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 pretty flower yeah now i didn't find out if it's monoecious dioecious yet but i did find out it's pyramidal for its shape oh so okay that's All uh, right. something else you forgot on the, yeah, the, the you list know. here but uh, once you have the flowers 
you have your cherries, right? Is it the cherries that people are thinking of, or, or no? Something different? No, it's it's they the flowers give rise to like a small reddish black berry, which is more of a droop. I guess you call them berries, but they're really droops. They're a quarter inch to three inch inch in diameter, and they're very bitter. So, um, it's not something that you're going to pop in your mouth and go, "Mmm, cherry," you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a reason why you don't see black cherries available in the trade, but not to mean that they don't have value because you do see them in the trade in other ways. And we're 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 going to go into that more a little bit as we talk. But um, we kind of mentioned this before with some other trees, um, the seed production. Uh, if you want it to start burying, it's going to take you about 10 years from from the time uh, that that sprouts from a seed. So seed production begins at 10 years of age. doesn't really become heavy until 30, but it can produce seed up until it's 100 years old. So in your lifetime, you know, in nature, if you see something, if you see something burying pretty heavy, more than likely it's probably like 40, you know, 30, mm-hmm. 40 years old. So um, I will say thanks to wildflower.org. Yes. For, for letting me know that prunus serotin or, or black cherry is a monoecious plant. All right. So and, uh, and thank you to Morton Arbor even for for discussing the shape as well. They they're the ones that let yes. me know it was pyramidal. Yes. I got them on the phone and <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I picked up my phone like many of you probably did and googled it and uh, and was able to put that together really quickly. Yeah. And that's one thing I'll, I'll mm. reiterate that we thanked them early in the week, but. A lot of these resources are such a huge help, even to us in the industry, and, on a, a probably a daily basis. And we don't list them all. Um, you know, we you can tell when we're giving you our personal experiences, but a lot of this we're depending on the experts of this, and and there's too many to name. But but we we thank them all for all the work that they do, all the great information that they put out there. Um, we're talking about the seed production. Um, so the seeds are dispersed by birds and bears who eat the fruit. So the the bears really do like the fruit, um, and you do get you do get a, a a fall color out of this one as well. It is a tree, so if you see it in nature, you'll get a yellow to a red fall color. I don't. I wouldn't say brilliant. Like it's not. You know, some trees when you see the fall color, like some of the red maples or sugar maples, mm-hmm. you're like, wow. This one, you know, you get that yellowish to red fall color, but it's a little uh, molted. I, w- I would say, in my personal experience. Yeah. Now, uh, this tree is is fairly long-lived, in my opinion. Yes. But am I reading this right? There's also a champion? There is a ch- national champion. So the tree can live up to 250 years old. Um, so it's very long-lived. But apparently, like, it can live 250 but stop producing seed shortly after 100. Um the national champion is located in Tennessee in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and it is 134 foot tall with a 70 foot spread. And that tree has to have a name. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying know. to find you, it as we speak. But I, here's what I find interesting is that a lot of the champion trees that we discuss on this podcast are are located in the Smoky Mountains. They really are. North yeah, Carolina, I've Tennessee, too. and it's – it's a great area for for seeing some some more mature forests. So it's nice that they're surviving there and they have the opportunity to get that old. Um, it is a tree that prefers full sun or almost full sun. So when you see it, like we see it here in a lot of uh, breaks, like if if it's in the woods, it's on the edge of the woods near the, near the street or the opening where it's getting that full sun. You don't really see it dense in the forest. You're seeing it around the edges of the forest. Um, or in like a very small riparian buffer, you're you're seeing that tree grow up. Um, 
it does have some issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does it. It's one of those trees that you'll see tent caterpillar. It, it is susceptible to tent caterpillar um, leaf spot. A lot of the things that most cherries are susceptible to leaf spot, dieback, leaf curl, powdery mildew, uh, root rot, and fire blight. And again, a lot of those are climate issues to me. If you have it in the wrong spot, mm-hmm. it's a facultative up one. You're getting fire blight in a very moist uh, spring. Uh, where it's wetter than it wants to be, and we say that a lot for these things. But a lot of these issues, we kind of create wanting to put a plant where it doesn't necessarily want to mm-hmm. be. So yeah, that's I, exactly I, right. I, I'm trying to point out to be more cognizant in in plant selection, putting a plant where it wants to be, and that's going to cut down on the maintenance. It's going to cut down mm-hmm. on a lot of the issues that yeah. it has. Now, I know just from from looking at Dr. Doug Talmy's work that – Prunus as a whole is a really valuable species to wildlife. How is black cherry in particular really valuable to wildlife? Wow. More than 450 species of Lepidoptera uh, are supported by the leaves, flowers, fruit, and branches. So this was on Dr. Doug Tallamy's top five list. I think so. I want to say it's number two behind Aquarius. Several species of flies, flower beetle, and bees, including honeybee, work blossoms, um, work the blossoms for the pollen and the nectar, um, the fruit are eaten by passerine birds, game birds, red fox, black bear, raccoon, opossum, squirrels, and rabbits, um, which is uh, white-tailed deer will eat the leaves and twigs without harm. So you think cyanide and it's a natural predator, but apparently like deer can mm-hmm. – you know, they figured yeah. out a way. Uh, they can browse a very small amount of seedlings and saplings. So um, – Tom, you can actually on the second page go down four clues. You can use the first page. Yeah. To okay. Oh, you say okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. It. All right, gotcha. Um, but in mentioning that, it's the larval host of the eastern uh, tiger swallowtail, the cherry gall azure, the viceroy, Columbia silk moth, Promethea moth, small-eyed sphinx moth, wild cherry sphinx moth, bandit tussock moth, bandit edge prominent, and spotted apple. Apetalode? Uh, that's that's as about uh, as close as all I got. Apetalode. Uh. So, you know, obviously, if, if you're looking for a tree that's valuable to um, the food web, this is is it right after oaks. This is right up there. You know, mm-hmm. you can't. It, it's it's valuable, but it has a lot of uses too, which I think is. It, it's it's really important when you think of I know and Dr. Douglas Tallamy talks about uh, how many how many caterpillar how many uh, chickadees need to feed their young. Yep. You know you want something that can support this many things. Otherwise, you're not getting those songbirds. So mm-hmm. this is one of those key species. Would you call it a keystone species for food web? I I don't know if it's it's technically describes that, but I think yeah, it's a, it's a pretty key species to the the food web. So the one thing to keep in mind with how tall it gets. Uh, it is shallow rooted uh, with a spreading root system. So shallow rooted and that tall kind of worries me as far as, you know, it's it's already weak wooded. You know, is it going to fall over? You know, is that the tree that you're going to see, mm-hmm. you know, downed in the woods in a heavy storm? So just be cognizant of placement again uh, when you do that. Um, even with all these insect, insects, it's uh, self-pollination has been observed, uh, but none of the self-pollinated flowers develop in the uh, viable seeds. So we have yeah. seen locally where the last couple of years they really hadn't produced 
a viable seed. The mm-hmm. the fruit before it would ripen would fall off. Mm, interesting. So I'm wondering if what we're actually witnessing is a lack of pollinators and yeah. it's self-pollinating itself but not giving a viable Potentially, seed. Potentially, not by my house. My house I've gotten a lot. Yeah, so. I know last year was a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two years prior to that, mm-hmm. we we really had difficulty collecting yeah, seeds. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's some of it. Um, we mentioned wilted leaves, twigs, seeds are highly toxic to humans and herbivore mammals and may be fatal if ingested. Mm-hmm. So um, let me see. Are we almost ready for your – Just about. It's a uh, – I want to know about human uses. That's uh, the big one. Well, you're and very I know, I know one of them. Yeah, yeah, Thomas actually made prison hooch yes. from, yeah. from I called a berries. black cherry cordial that uh, <laughs> I found a recipe online, and, <laughs> and I made it at home, and it was really – it was the berries. Um, you masticate them. You basically crush them up, uh, mix in some sugar, and then let it sit for – I think it was about two weeks. It was very tasty. And it was, it was really tasty. It wasn't as effervescent as I expected, like it said. But it has – when you had it cold, it definitely didn't have as many bubbles. When it, we let it warm up a little bit, it was a little bit bubbly, and it was really nice. Yeah. Um, I still have a little bit left in the fridge. I've been – I pour myself a glass every now and then just as like a little after dinner – I wouldn't call it a cocktail because it's not very alcoholic, but like I don't know. I, we, we drank it on air while recording a podcast. Yeah. I got a little tipsy. Yeah. Well, we had but, a lot. We, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we <laughs> um, but you can uh, make, make – uh, a black cherry cordial. You can also add it to flavor rum and brandy. Uh, as a kid, locally in Philadelphia, there was a soda company called Frank's, and they made a black cherry wishniak, which was one of my favorite as a kid. And I've seen it uh, like I think Dad's makes a black cherry um, hard hard site. I guess mm-hmm. it's not a site. Where is it a cider? I don't know. Yeah, hard something. Hard, hard something. Um, the wood can um, the wood can be used in. Um, Making furniture and other things because of its lustrous dark red tint, so it does have a nice like cherry wood oh, tint yeah. to it. So it's good for woodworking. Um, and if you're going to put it in your yard, if you're thinking about planting something that's exotic, um, and you want to you want to go native instead, so instead of planting a exotic ornamental cherry tree, plant a native uh, black cherry tree. Or instead, uh, if you're thinking about Japanese scholar tree because you want it something that blooms. Uh, this is a way where you can still be native. You can still get those those late spring blooms and 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 do really good things for the the food web. So, are you ready for I'm, a quiz? I'm ready. Yeah, are you ready for redemption? I'd like to see you finish out the the week strong. And one of these, I realized that I threw in here way too many times. And you, are, I've already stated this as a fact. Okay. So you you get one gimme in here. You ready? <laughs> I need all the help I can get. All right. The fruit can be used in winemaking and to make a jelly. Mm -hmm. For medicinal purposes, the inner bark is used in cough syrups, sedatives, and tonics. Okay. Although the fruit is edible and the inner bark medicinal, the leaves produce cyanide and are extremely toxic. First popularized by Franks in Philadelphia, Pepsi once included a black cherry variant into its popular cola. Mm-hmm. And the tree has naturalized and become invasive in Western and Central Europe. All right. So I've made a, a almost wine out of it, and I've heard it can be used in winemaking. Okay. So I think that one's right. Okay. I haven't heard anything about it being used for, like, cough syrup before. So, okay, I'll, right. I'll leave that one. 
Uh, the leaves toxic. I think he really hammered that point home. Yes, uh, <laughs> cyanide. Um, I I forget what the fourth clue was because I just wrote back down black cherry as my little reminder. Oh, it was that um, make any sense. that Pepsi once included oh, a black Pepsi. cherry variant, black yeah. cherry Pepsi cola. And um, I know they had wild cherry Pepsi, but I don't know if they yeah. ever had a black cherry. And that it's invasive in Europe. I I'm pretty sure I read that as yeah. well. So I'm down to the the inner bark. Being a cough syrup, and then I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna since I know there's a wild cherry Pepsi. Okay, I'm gonna go with the inner bark being a cough syrup because your last clue had something about inner bark too being All a right. dye. So I'm gonna say okay. that's that's it. So the inner bark using cough syrup, sedatives, and tonics. It was the Pepsi. Oh God! Now Coca Cola, yeah, has made a black cherry Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. I would love to try that. I have never seen it, but apparently yeah. they have hmm. made – you know, because they do vanilla Coke, all those. Yeah, and maybe yeah. it's in one of those big machines where you can get black cherry yep. Coca-Cola, but Pepsi is not just they, Coca-Cola. They, don't, they make a cherry drink, don't they? I think they do wild cherry it's Coke. Not, it's, it's not, not black, black cherry. cherry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I got you. Yeah. I got you. It's, it's a good it's week it's for ver- me. verbiage. Although there. I had to throw in some false facts all throughout the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really throw throw me off. off the scent. So. <laughs> um, all right. So would you put it in your yard? I, I guess you already have it on your I property. I have it in my yard. If I had to put it in like – so our, our property runs along a hedgerow. Yeah. And it was already in the hedgerow, and I love that it's in the hedgerow because I can go outside and grab it and, and make yeah. – make booze out of it but um if i was to have like offered to say hey you need to plant this in my little postage stamp i don't think i would like if i had to put it inside the fence yeah i don't i don't think i would just because one the fruit itself can make a mess yeah when now it's not like um some of your your black locust but the petals when they fall can really make a mess if you have a lot it's not nearly as bad like i said as black locust but they they're around they're there and um and it's, I've had some damage to the existing ones in my hedgerow in strong windstorms. Yeah. So I don't know, but on the ecological side, it supports a heck of a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm lucky that I don't have to make this choice because there's some there that are in a spot where they're not going to fall in my house. I'm gonna have access to them. But if I had to say, hey, you got to move one of them in your yard, I don't know if I would. All right, you know, if I had to plant one in my yard, I would. I'm <laughs> not going to, but I have a spot like. My property is long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very wide, but it's long, and it goes down and it dips down, and it butts up to a protected natural area that goes down to a stream. Mm-hmm. And the woods that are protected are oak ash, and maybe and when the ash like and we're not seeing ash death mm-hmm. right now, but maybe when we start experiencing ash death, I think down right on the edge of the woods um, might be a perfect spot for that. At the far end of the property, we're not really using it. It's wooded. Um, and it's down like a pretty steep slope, so you can't really do anything with mm-hmm. it, and it would probably be a perfect spot for it. Um, but right now, I don't have a spot for it. Like if I – I couldn't plant it there. If we were to lose some ash, yeah. I could. You know, it's a – the forest has sugar maple and white dogwood, and it's it's facultative upland. Mm-hmm. It's probably a perfect spot for it. It's just I, – I just don't have the space for yeah. it. You got to – if it's going to get 100 foot tall, you kind of have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if it fell, it wouldn't hit. You know, if a branch fell, it wouldn't mm-hmm. hit the wouldn't hit the house. So it's it's a perfect spot. It's just not enough room for it. So, but that cool. ends out another week. When we come back next week, I will have finished recovering from my deviated septum surgery. So we'll see if I sound different mm-hmm. or not. 
We'll see if I sound like this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so have a great weekend, everyone. Make sure tomorrow you tune in to a native plant, uh, native plants, healthy planet. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey, everyone. This is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.